Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Hey, are you a fellow podcaster? Maybe a gamer, streamer, right? Or looking for a business logo? Well, whatever you're looking for, check out F8L Designs. Yeah, in fact, this guy did my logo as well. He reinvented it. So if you like that, definitely check it out. He did an amazing job. Exactly what I wanted. So yeah, check him out on Facebook. That's capital F, the number eight, capital L, Designs. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. And I'd like to welcome back special guest, James Goy Jr. How's it going, James? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Chewy? Pretty good, man. Just uh, trying to get over this cold. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was all like, I, when I first started getting it, I'm like, is it the Rona? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wouldn't be too worried. Right? Yeah. There's a lot going on there that that uh, uh, I don't talk about in public because I don't want I don't want to make myself a target. But it but uh, let's just say that people should do some independent research on that one. I like it, man. I like the way you think. Yeah. Instead of telling them, "Hey, do your own research," you know. Right. Right. Yep. Which so, they should be doing anyway, but so many people aren't. You know. They just depend on the television or uh, news to uh, tell them. And they, they, they say something, and I'm like, well, that ain't right. And they're like, well, I heard it on the news. <laughs> oh, it must be true then, right? <laughs> right? Oh, boy, are they clueless. Uh, but that's all right. You know, water seeks its own level, and everything has its uh, purpose, and there's a time for everything, and uh, everything's in divine order either way. I like that. And uh, speaking about divine order, uh, last time we spoke, we talked about, you know, some crazy experiences you've had with divine intervention, uh, demonic possession. Uh, you've been through some crazy stuff, man. I have been through some crazy stuff. Yeah. And today, when a little while ago, I was, try, you know, making a few notes, trying to, like I mentioned, uh, write down some stuff that we didn't talk about la last time. And I haven't had a chance to, because it's not up yet, so I haven't seen it. So maybe there's going to be some overlap, but I don't think so. I think I did a good job of writing down things that we didn't get to or didn't talk about. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I was to if I was to hear this, if I was to not to have gone through all this, and then hear somebody else talking about all this, I'd be like, 
man, what? And uh, which is uh, one of the reasons that kept me for years from talking about a lot of the stuff, because uh, I think I mentioned last time, not so much that people wouldn't believe the individual stories themselves, because there's a lot of uh, stories of ghosts, demons, divine intervention, you know, but usually it's a, it's a once in a lifetime experience for most people. And I've just had this, been hammered with this stuff, you know, over and over and over. And that's the part that I really thought people would have a hard time um, believing, bottom line, because there's been so much of it, like with divine intervention, for instance, you know. Um, so, but, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm writing about some of it now. I'll be publishing some of it. And uh, I just figure, well, those people that know me know that I, I'm not going to make stories up. First of all, they know I couldn't make any stories up better than the ones I've actually lived. And uh, right. That's right. the best ones, right? The, the right. real ones. Right. And uh, the people closest to me, uh, and some of them have been through some of this, especially Kathy and her sister with me. Um, if I was saying something that wasn't true, they'd know it. So like I'd lose all credibility. And so I just, I just want people to know whatever we end up talking about that, hey, you know, it, it really happened. You know, I got no reason to, to make it up. And uh, I, I'm happy that everything happened that because everything makes you stronger, makes you more capable. Um, but by the same token, I wouldn't have chosen any of it at the time. Like who's gonna say, oh yeah, <laughs> let's see. My calendar's open next week. I like to be possessed by a demon next week, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Ain't going to happen, you know? But uh, when you get through it and then you look back and you learn lessons and later on you're able to help somebody else because of what you've been through, um, it all starts, it's, it's all in a different context then. So, but, you know, you got you to gotta go through the, uh, through, the, 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 through the fire, I guess, to hammer out those horseshoes or whatever you want to call it. And uh, so I've done a lot of that. Like how you were saying, uh, a lot of those uh, crazy negative experiences you've had, they actually uh, made you stronger and they came out, you know, a positive thing came out of it. Like, for example, when you got possessed by a demon, you got it out of you. But later you, you, uh, you were part of an exorcism, right? right? And you were able to get that demon out of that person and hold it within wow. you. But if if you didn't have a demon in you before, you wouldn't have able to be as uh, strong. Oh, I don't think I would ever have been able to handle that. Kathy did the work, um, but when she took the demon out of the girl, uh, yeah, I held it inside of me. Like Kathy was doing all the logistics, and I was just like a, a little prison cell for this thing, and uh, and that was rough. You know, that was that was rough. Um, but I was strong enough. I, I'd, I'd gone through my own battle, lasted somewhere around a week, been through it, went through it, came out the other side. And uh, then I was able to, to do that. And so, you know, when you, when you look back and you start stacking these things up and you start seeing what prepared you for what, um, then you, you just know that uh, it's all in divine order. None, none of it, that's one of my new books coming out soon is on divine order. Uh, you just know that, uh, Everything, I'll give you an example, and that is if a person loses their job and they have, I don't know if I talked, uh, gave this example last time, but so a person loses their job, which is supposedly bad, and then they have a chance meeting with someone that they haven't seen for many years, and, but it's not a chance meeting, it's divinely orchestrated, right? It's synchronicity. 
And through this, they get an even better job, a job that's closer, more money. They like it. They like the people better. Just every way is better. And so if people can believe in divine order at all, they'd be like, yeah, you know, he lost his job. That sucked. But then he got this, uh, he had divine order and he was able to get this better job. So that problem was solved. And I like to tell people, listen, he's got a job that's better for him in absolutely every way, which is a big improvement in his life. He never would have had that job had he not lost the first job. And so in retrospect, the guy 10 years later will look back and say, oh, losing that job was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me this other job and this whole new career. But what I want people to know is losing the job was also in divine order because it led to something greater. And so when we start to understand that and look at life that when we're in the middle of these things that, hey, I don't know how or why, but, but this is for the good and this is gonna work out good and it's gonna make me better. It's, gonna, it's all for my highest, best good and everyone else involved. Then um, it puts life in a whole different light. It takes a lot of the stress off, takes a lot of the judgment off. Oh, this is bad, that's good. I like him, I don't like her. And you just start to you know, pull back a little bit look at it more holistically and from a distance and say, all right, you know, all this stuff's happening and this is good, you know? And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, uh, wisdom in the phrase. It's all good, right? It's all good, brother. It's all good. Yeah, well, it really is all good. I don't think anybody who's ever said that phrase realizes how good it actually all really is. There's a lot of wisdom in that phrase. And so, uh, you know, we live and we learn and, and we keep, uh, becoming more and having more to share along the way. Yeah, a lot of good happens, uh, a lot of God's connecting, but people don't notice, right? They think it's just chance or luck. Oh, I got lucky I got that job. Well, no, right. it was planned. You know, like you said, it was orchestrated. Right, right. There's, there's a power. Some people look at it as being outside of them, but whatever the power is itself, we can, we can leave that go for a moment. But the point is that... Um, it knows, and this has just been proven to me, uh, but it knows already what challenges you're going to face a day, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years from now. It already knows. It's, it's already there. Um, and, uh, or, or at least the likelihoods. You know, things can change if, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had uh, inner promptings, uh, intuition not to go somewhere or to do some certain thing. And I learned eventually to always follow those because when I didn't, then I would end up finding out, oh, this is why I shouldn't be here. And I've, I actually had one situation where I had really strong intuition not to go somewhere. And uh, Kathy and I, and, but we over, I overrode probably my conscious mind reasoning about it. And uh, then when we got there, we were in all kinds of trouble. And um, so I found, and then I needed divine intervention, right? So the, the um, intuition, the gut feeling, the warnings were telling me don't go, but then I did go. And then I needed divine intervention. Once I found, I, I'll tell you the story because it's pretty wild. But uh, Kathy and I were in our early um, 20s. We were in our 20s still. That's a long time ago, right? And uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we found this, this, there was this ad about this one. We were both into channeling at the time. She would channel, I would channel. I give people past life readings and all this stuff. 
And so she was looking for a, a channel for, for her little uh, group or whatever she was doing. So uh, I thought, well, you know, I, I can do that. And, uh, but then I got excited about it, set the appointment to go over her house. But then we started having all these like, oh, I don't know, something doesn't feel right. You know, let's not go. And then, well, you know, she's just a little old lady. I mean, just spiritually minded, channeling. I mean, what could be wrong? It's probably just nothing. We're just, you know, whatever. You know, we're over overthinking this thing. And no, and the, at the time we had this uh, this little thirty-eight uh, revolver, right? A Smith and Wesson thirty-eight revolver. And uh, nice. Happy, <laughs> happy actually ended up putting it in her purse. That's how like we don't go out with it, right? She actually ended up putting it in her purse because we were, there was just so much concern. But anyway, so we overrode all of those warnings. And then we go to this lady's house. She's this little, uh, tiny, wiry, ancient, I mean, ancient woman with this uh, fake hair, black bun with this great big uh, knitting needle or whatever stuck in there, like, you know, like a weapon kind of a thing. Holy and, shit. Uh, so anyway, we're sitting there and everything, everything is old. It's an old house in, in, I forget what part of San Diego, it's probably been knocked down by now. Really old house, really old furniture, like we had stepped into a time warp, you know? And the weirdest thing that you had to notice right away is that all of the windows were completely covered with tinfoil. Completely covered with tinfoil. Like every place that a speck of light could leak in was covered with tinfoil. Okay, we find out later why. And so anyway, we're, we're talking to the woman. Well, it turns out that she's in, into this thing called materialization, I guess. I don't know what they called it back in the late 1800s or whatever. And uh, one of the words is they used was ectoplasm or whatever. But they actually used to... Uh, bring in uh, entities from the astral worlds into a more physical thing. And so this lady was telling us how she actually uh, can ride on one of them. Like she jumps up and rides on his back, but apparently they needed absolute complete dark. Like even if she's doing it at night, you know, the moon's out or street lights, like you, this house was sealed from the light. And uh, so, we, you know, so things started getting weird. And, uh, but at one point she jumped up on her chair. Like I say, she was this tiny little thing, this wiry, you know, but strong, but really super old. And with this big weapon in her head, it was really freaky. But she jumped up on her chair, squatting down, and she started talking real animated. And she was waving her arms around and all this and uh, telling this story. And she was completely... And I didn't know what she was doing, but what she was doing was hypnotizing me. So Holy the woman hypnotized me. Okay, so now um, we're, I'm trying to get everything in sequence. So, oh, now, so now she's, she wants to show us the room where it all happens, right? All the magic, the ectoplasm and the writing on these things backs and all she wants to show us. But I don't want to go because I already feel something like I know. Uh, and oh, let me tell you uh, uh, about a serial killer that I that I identified uh, that I, that I oh, saw in a mall one time. But I'll I'll tell you that story after this one oh, uh, because because they tie in together. And I I haven't thought of this in years. But so I could actually feel something 
behind the door in the room where she was pointing. Like I couldn't see the door because it was around a, a hallway, uh, but I knew there was something there and I knew it was big and I knew it was waiting for us. I couldn't, is this uh, ectoplasm demon? You know, I don't know, is it a real person? Which may, might've been more likely. I didn't know what it was, but there was some conscious being there waiting. And I didn't want to go and I wasn't going to go, but I couldn't not follow her instructions. So she was saying, let's go, follow me. And so my brain is screaming, don't do it, don't do it. And I'm standing up and I'm following her. And it, it's a, uh, from the living room, it's a step up. And then there's a hallway, which goes in both directions. And uh, in the old houses, you know, they used to have these uh, squares in the wall inset where you like you'd stick a vase or something and so there's one of those just to the right of the uh when you go through the doorway and there's a vase on the thing and so my mind is screaming don't do it don't do it kathy's saying don't go don't go because she she wasn't hypnotized and she knew what was going on she had her hand in my uh the back of my pants in my belt trying to pull me back she had her hand on her gun. That's how afraid she was and how much trouble she knew we were in. Oh my and God. Yeah. So the lady goes up and I'm following, I'm just out of, my mind is saying, don't do it, but I'm following her. We step up into the hallway and that vase that's sitting on the wall is like it's shot out of a cannon. Like there's nobody around. There's nothing there. There's just this hole in the wall, like about, you know, this much inset, a square. The vase is sitting there. And it flies off the wall when I came through the door and hit right next to my head. And that stabbed me out of her spell. And so that was the divine intervention. The divine, the, the divine warnings and intuition was at the house. But by the time we got to the place, um, that, was the, that was the actual divine intervention from another power that snapped me out of the, um, the spell or whatever she had cast upon me. You got to remember, she's wow. into the dark arts. She's like, you know, 90 something years old and been doing this stuff probably since she's 20. I mean, this woman was good. And uh, so that vase um, snapped me out. And so we started backing up and I said, um, I said, um, let's see. Oh, we got to leave. I'm just saying we got to leave. We got to leave. I'm backing up. Now I'm, I got my arms. I'm, I'm holding, I'm protecting Kathy behind me. And she runs over to the table. The earlier she had asked us, you guys want some tea, right? She had tea on the table. Oh, no, thanks. You know, we didn't think anything of it, but we said, no, we're good. And, uh, but by the time we got to the, um, towards the door, she, she ran over to the table. She's going, don't go, don't go. And she grabs the thing. And we didn't realize that at the time, we figured it out later, but she said, please just have some tea, just have some tea first. And we realized later the tea, the tea was spiked, like the tea was going to put us out if she couldn't get us in the back room or whatever. That was probably the plan. Yeah, probably the plan now that I think is she's offering the tea first. So we drink the tea, we go to sleep and then, you know, whatever. Um, but we weren't supposed to leave what I call the tinfoil house, which I hope is not. I couldn't find it in a million years because I don't even remember. I remember it was in San Diego. We lived in El Cajon at the time. And uh, it was an old part of San Diego houses from the probably the 40s or something like that. And uh, uh, so we were able to get out of there. Um, but that's one of the cases where I learned um, that 
those warnings and promptings and, and, and just where you're afraid to do something, you don't want to go somewhere, it doesn't feel right, is for a reason. And so over the years now, I mean, I have not done so many things over the years. I'm just like, you want to do that? And I'm like, I'll just think for a second. I'll say, no, no, I got something else to do. But the reason, the, 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 the real thing is, yeah, I would have liked to do it or I didn't have anything against it, but it didn't feel right. And so I go by my gut now. But so that's one example where divine intervention was needed and it shouldn't have been needed. See, divine intervention, really, um, there's different levels. In divine order, I needed to go through all of this because that's the, the lesson I needed. But at the highest level, divine intervention shouldn't really be needed because your intuition will keep you from getting into any situations, right? I mean, even if you're driving down the street and all of a sudden you get this foreboding, you're like, oh, I'm going to pull over for a few minutes till I feel better. Because who knows what would have happened two blocks away. But people don't get that. They don't follow that. Um, Kathy and her sister had a, a really bad a car accident. Their car almost flipped over and everything. They got, they got hit on the uh, Interstate uh, 8 by a, and, and they have a little, uh, toy a little um geo metro two-door hatchback you know this little three-cylinder car i guess it was and uh damn those things are tiny yeah and so they were bouncing wheel to wheel they almost flipped over but uh the 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 guy had hit him as a a drunk in a i don't know if he had a pickup truck or just a big car but a, a drunk sailor of all things right the proverbial drunk sailor had slammed into the back of him doing like 90 miles an hour uh, on the on the interstate eight on a sunday afternoon with a good amount of traffic and uh, they bounced wheel to wheel and, and kathy saw the um the uh pavement turn into like a wavy uh glass-like material and all this is definitely divine intervention uh, we we come to know later that um uh somebody else was going to die a young woman was going to die and kathy and linda took the hit for her um, but here's but here's the thing. I kept that morning before they were they were just driving down to the beach, you know, area, and they do a little shopping down there and all. And uh, but I was saying, don't go. I don't really feel I don't feel right. I don't think you should go. And and after they left, ten minutes after they left, I called them on the phone. I'm like, you got to come home. Don't you know? Just turn around and come home. And that's how. So I was getting that the warnings um, for them, but they kept going. But somebody else's life was saved because of it, even though they had to go through years of, you know, because of whiplash and stuff. They had to go through a couple, few years of, of chiropractic because of it. So everything has its, they're doing fine now, though. So everything has its, um, you know, it's really funny because, you know, you get the warning, which you would think means you're not supposed to go. But then you go and then something else happens, or in this case, somebody's life is saved or you have divine intervention and then you get this great big lesson. So almost when you look back, it's like, well, I really was supposed to go. I was supposed to get the warning and not follow it and then go and then have the tin foil lady <coughs> uh, hypnotize me and then the vase fly off the, just so I could see what, what happens and what it is. So like the the out, yeah, yeah. So the further out you get, it's like, well, of course, you know, I didn't follow it because I wasn't supposed to, but yet, you learn from that, and then later, I follow it. I follow it. There's been buildings I haven't walked in. Uh, one time, we were going to see a friend in a, a hospital in San Diego, and it, it was like this entrance with this long hallway. I took one step. No, I took more than one step. I went a few steps in, and like, uh-oh, and I know this feeling. And I'm like, turn around. 
you know, this guy ain't getting no visit from us and we got the heck out of there. So uh, now it's really, you know, strong. I've, I was going on an appointment one time and uh, we just drove by the place and I'm like, oh, that place is black, man. I'm getting, you know, I don't know why I didn't get it home, but when I got, maybe I did a little bit. Well, when I got there, I'm like, I'm not going in, you know? And so I'm sure that I know that it's just saved me either save my life and my freedom, or at least uh, save the need for, for really radical uh, divine intervention um, by, by learning those lessons and then not doing that stuff. Um, and by the way, one thing about divine intervention or whatever these powers are, <clears throat> that, which is a whole nother subject, um, I, here's what I can tell you is that the last resort, first of all, is divine intervention because it um, breaches the laws of our world, right? It breaches the natural known laws of material reality, number one. But then number two, if at all possible, it, it's, it try, it's, <clears throat> they try to hide it from, from uh, in most cases, from witnesses. Like they don't want this to be seen. It's not like, because heck, they can make a big show of it, right? Let's say it's angels. Well, they could save people and let people see and, and just go around doing all this stuff, but they don't. So divine intervention is, is um, a last resort. And then they do it on the sly with as little fanfare and notice and uh, you know action as possible. And I, and I know this absolutely, I've never read it anywhere. I've never, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've been through or that I know, I, I still haven't read it anywhere. So other people must know this too, but I don't know that they've written, written about it. Um, yeah, you got no, something. No. Yeah, you got a good point right there. Because uh, <clears throat> my my brother's girlfriend, she was in a car accident in an intersection. She was like t-boned, and the car like slid off. I don't know if it rolled, <clears throat> but she fucking went off the road and like hit a bus stop. And um, she like she came to and she couldn't open the door. It was jammed. And she says some random guy just came up to her, opened the door, and he, like, helped her out. And she's like, oh, thanks, you know. And, you know, and then later she was, like, making the police report and talking to people. And somebody asked her, like, how'd you get out of the car? And she's like, oh, that this guy helped me. And they're all like, what guy? Like, I saw you come out of the car by yourself. <laughs> right. There are so many stories like that. We've got some of our own. I think I told you last week time we talked about the we were stuck on the road and this guy came out of nowhere and uh taped up our hose and then disappeared you know told us where to go where this other guy had the exact hose we needed and uh oh yeah yeah, yeah. and uh I've, I've heard a lot of stories like that from people themselves over the years and also you know somebody just coming out of the blue to put snow chains on somebody's car so they can get up a hill and all kind. I mean, there's so many stories like that, that uh, they, you know, and these people don't know each other and the same types of stories have been told for hundreds and thousands of years. So, you know, only only people who don't want to believe that things like this are possible uh, don't believe. I mean, they're really like dead set on not believing because, you know, just call it hearsay, anecdotal evidence or whatever. There's just way too much literature, way too much uh, support of the fact that there's something going on and some people get help at certain times in very, very rough situations where they would uh, become maimed or die or suffer great loss of some sort. 
it's a, it's a part of life. But I also like to tell people that, hey, go to the trauma wards in the hospitals. And there's a lot of people who seemingly don't get that. I mean, two people can be in the same accident and one of them is mangled and their life is un, un, just altered forever in a negative way. And someone else skates through it and comes out with a bruise or nothing. And uh, what's the difference? The same power that helped the one could have helped the other, but why not? Well, maybe the lesson that the one who got saved, that's the lesson they need to have more faith and that they're a good person and all this. The other person, no matter what would have happened, they'd be like, uh, you know, that was just chance or, you know, like they wouldn't learn. So the, the universe, whatever we want to call it, we are being taught and um, it's, it's really behooves us to learn as much as we can ourselves so that we don't have to, we can avoid a lot of the very, very hard lessons that other people have to go through. And that's what, that's what I do. I just, I'm kind of like, you know, how a, a fish just kind of swims and, and, and avoids, you know, like kind of sees things coming. And, and that's me. I'm a Pisces, right? So I'm a fish. And like, I've been going through my whole life like that. You know, I see, I see this and I see that. And I'm like, well, I got to go around that because I ain't going to, you know, I want to deal with it. It's, it's too, uh, too dangerous or whatever it is. And, uh, but it's all good. I mean, good comes from even the, the bad that people go through eventually. Some people have had horrific injuries and stuff, and then they change their whole life. They were, you know, uh, doing, they were living a bad life. They were hurting people, this and that, but they have a, a near-death experience. They die on the operating table and are brought back, or they just have this horrendous experience, and there's a spiritual uh, experience involved, and all of a sudden, they, they actually change. Um, and so then you look back and you say, well, this person was going through life hurting other people. Mm -hmm. They went through this horrendous experience. One thing led to another. Now they're helping people. So we can all look back and say, well, it's a good thing they went through that experience. But I like mm -hmm. to teach people not to need those kind of experiences, because if you need it, you're going to get it sooner or later. It's absolute. I mean, the, the, the universe is just an unfailing, well-balanced mechanism of of uh, justice really and so we can learn how to avoid a lot of the bad stuff that other people have to go through very wise words man <laughs> well for those with ears to hear right hey for sure right i mean well, it's some people are, some people are sitting out there thinking yeah that makes sense other people are, what the hell is he talking about so, you know, uh, you just put it out there and then whoever can grasp it and maybe do something with it, then good for them, you know? It's there, you know, take it or leave it, but it's there. <laughs> right, right. You speak your truth and you let, and you let the, the chips fall where they may. You, you wish everyone good, um, but you wish them uh, what they need, right? Like whatever you need. I'm supporting the universe and giving it to you. You might not like it, but don't say I didn't warn you. You know, like you're, you're a creep. You're going through life doing really bad things. Something's going to come around and whack you. I warned you. You didn't do it. Now you're complaining. Well, sorry. You know, that's just, and you feel for people. You know, you have compassion, even, even if they bring it on themselves. But you also have to step up and not get emotional and get into a higher part of yourself and say, divine order this is exactly what was needed if it wasn't it wouldn't have happened 
that comes with the saying, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that's, that's so true right there. You know, you just can't deny that. Yeah. Well, now that you mentioned, I just thought uh, I'm going to write it down. Everything happens for a reason. And the reason is always good. And the reason is always good. I like it. Yeah, because the, the universe is always tending to and pushing us toward growth, happiness, abundance, enlightenment, wisdom, kindness, comfort. It really is. Um, all the other stuff is the stuff that we have to go through because we just bring it upon ourselves. I mean, what would be the point to just be, you know, born rich and healthy and beautiful with every opportunity, but you don't have to take any of them because you don't need to do anything because you have everything you need already. I mean, that's the quickest way to just probably shrivel up and die because, you know, uh, nature is a funny thing, you know, be of use. And anything, once it's not of use in nature, uh, what happens? It's absorbed back, right? I mean, the, the leaves fall from the tree. They're not serving a purpose anymore. They turn brown and then eventually they're, they're just soaked back into the earth to feed new life. It's the same with human life. Serve a purpose and have that purpose be good uh, and devote yourself to it. And you'll, you'll have a good chance of living a long, protected, uh, almost charmed, charmed in many ways, uh, life. And, but if you do the opposite, if you go toward uh, causing strife and turmoil and loss and, and injury and lack and all this to other people, then that's, that's what you're creating. And, and you'll learn eventually. I'm not saying it's going to be in this lifetime or whatever, but uh, everyone will learn what they need to learn when they're ready to learn it. And until they're ready to learn, they're going to have the lessons they need to have at the certain times in their life that they bring upon themselves. It's a hard truth, but it's, it's reality. And uh, it's perfect. Um, just it's perfect synchronicity as far as uh, everything, you know, fits like everything fits like a glove. You know, you look at your own life, but then you can pan out and you can just see how all the pieces kind of fall together. And this, oh, that's a terrible thing, but look at all the good things that came from it. And we just start to think more, more in line with that. You know, when I was little, I never believed in stuff like this. I always thought it was just chance or luck. But as I get older and there's more experiences and you realize you just can't deny sometimes. There's some things you can't explain and, and it happens. And it's it's got to be an external force or power, you know, whether you call it God or the universe. But sometimes there's some moments that happen and they're, they're so perfectly timed or something. I I can't do nothing but look at the sky and be like, I get it. Okay. I see the sign, you know. Right, right. You know, we can and people do debate all day long uh, what it is, whatever it is, right? There's all kinds of explanations for it. But would a, a, a really a thinking, thoughtful person who's given any kind of thought and study to the subject uh cannot deny is that it is. We, we can argue and discuss what it might be, but um, the fact of whether or not it actually exists is really beyond, that's not even the question anymore. People who still have that question are 
they're like in the lowest level of uh, spiritual uh, understanding uh, of people on the planet. I mean, that's not a, that's not like a judgment or a criticism or anything. It's just a fact. I mean, if people um, uh, take life on the material, physical law of the jungle, period, they don't think there was anything before. They don't think there's anything after. And they could be good people. And I know some of them. Um, but spiritually, they have no insight. They have zero spiritual insight into the reality of the circumstances and the situation in which they find themselves. Um, they completely misunderstand everything, the most basic tenets and, and foundation of their entire existence as a being and the entire existence of mankind. They have zero understanding. And uh, all I can say is that can't be good. <laughs> Right. That cannot be good. And uh, these people are always getting themselves in trouble, getting hurt, and, um, you know, just suffering loss and strife and turmoil and stress. And, and, and they I mean, life would seem almost, you know, unlivable to me if I didn't have some higher understanding that it's not just what I see. Because if I thought it was that, I mean, I probably would have given up already. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even be here. First of all, I would have been taken out so many times. It's not even funny uh, if there wasn't anything there. But I don't know if I didn't believe something was there, I might have taken myself out because it's just a, a scary place without that X factor. Call it the X factor. Yeah, yeah. and the divine inter intervention has certainly been there for you plenty of times. And undeniable, undeniable amount of times, you know, it's, you, right. you just—I don't know how you could say nope. There's nothing there when uh, clearly somebody's on your side, you know. <laughs> right, right. And so I do my best to be um, worthy. Really, is what it comes down to. I do my best to be to be worthy of that. I do my best to uh, live my life so that I never need it. But I prepare myself as much as I can to be deserving of it, expectant of it, and in line with it and harmonically in tune uh, with that type of a reality. So that if and when those things come up, um, basically I'm ready. There's not, there's, not, there's not a lot of preparation to do in the physical part of it, um, although common sense, obviously. Uh, but... Uh, you know, lock your doors at night, right? Lock your car doors when it's unattended. And you just, you know, you don't, oh, I got all this protection. So I'm just going to leave my doors open and whatever, you know, uh, that because that's ridiculous. And then you'd probably get a lesson of why you shouldn't be doing that. But you do everything you can on the material level. And then the rest is out of your hands. And it's in better hands than your human hands. And, and we can really rest, uh, confident and comfortable in that uh knowledge understanding yeah yeah some people they they get too confident you know and that, right. that's another lesson like you were saying you know <laughs> yeah and uh, uh one funny thing about i got a couple of notes here one funny thing about uh divine intervention when it happens and uh, well let me give you let's see two two little examples here <clears throat> one is, is the last place we were at before we lived where we are now. And uh, 
we had a house and a, and a guest house in the back where the girls were. I had the front house all to myself. And, uh, but they were sitting on the swing in the back by the back door. And I was um, on the stairs. I had been walking up the stairs to go into the house or in the back of the house. But then they started saying something to me. So I started to turn around on one of the stairs and my, my feet got hooked up with each other. And so from about three stairs up, three or four stairs up, I actually went flying down and I, and I you know, sideways and hit the cement, supposedly. Uh, and then I just popped right up and we kept talking. It was the most bizarre thing. <laughs> like I went down there, there was this, you know how two magnets push each other apart? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was, it was like that. It was like, I went, I was all the way down at the ground. I saw the cement and all of a sudden, boom, I'm up and we're talking. And then a few minutes later, I said, did you guys see what just happened? And they're like, oh yeah, you <laughs> fell. Like you're picked up into this higher vibration. It's, it's a higher energy and you don't even skip a beat. Like you, you, you barely notice it. And, I, and I'm, so we're talking a little bit and then I'm like, did, did you see what just happened? And they're like, oh yeah, that, that was freaky. But we didn't notice it right away. We did not even notice that it had happened. But then when I brought it up, we all remembered, yeah, that just happened. You <laughs> fell off the fourth or third thing, flat on your face on the cement. And then before anybody knew anything, you're standing up talking like nothing happened. <laughs> you just get but up yeah, your ass. So anyway. <laughs> exactly. No, it wasn't even so anyway. There's like no interruption in the conversation. There's no interruption. It's like, it, it was freaky. So, but there's another wow. one. Uh, Kathy and I were traveling uh, between states. And uh, I don't remember, it was a Western state for sure, but I don't remember which one. Or, but there was this place where a lot of people die. Like it's a really bad windy thing. And you see flowers, you know, and you hear stories. People say, be, be careful on this stretch or whatever. But uh, we were, Kathy was driving and, uh, we were, she was going around a semi truck. And so we were go, trying to go around this semi truck and all of a sudden there's this guy coming and it's only a two lane deal, one lane each way. And there's a guy coming. And so we're seeing him and she's going and she's trying to um, get in front of the truck. Now the guy is like, he's like, he's hypnotized or something. He's holding onto his wheel and we can both tell I mean, here we are on a head-on collision. We can both tell he's completely expressionless, but we can both tell that he ain't slowing down. Whatever he's doing, 65, let's say, he's still doing it. And at the very last second, we like, I mean, I saw the guy's face like in his windshield to my windshield, like six feet away. And then all of a sudden it went like this and we were in front of the truck. But here's the interesting thing. I mean, that's interesting enough. But here's the interesting thing. Just like when I fell off the stairs, it was miles later. Like not, neither one of us said anything about it. We almost died. We were within an inch of dying head on 65 and 65. We were probably doing more than 65 because she was trying like hell to pass the truck. We were within an inch of dying, but nobody mentioned it. And then I think it was me. It was me miles down the road i'm like did you see that <laughs> but this is this is miles later i'm like did, did you see that and she's like yeah i saw that but when you're in it 
because it's this higher energy comes in, it's it's so seamless that nothing skips a beat. Like in, when the stairs happened, we were talking, and so we kept talking. When the the, uh, the this deal happened, we weren't talking, and we kept on not talking. We were silent before, just you know, you're driving. You don't talk for hours and hours and hours nonstop. When you're on a long trip with someone, and we just kept you know. But then a few miles later. Did you, did you see that? And it's really freaky because of how seamless and it's almost like you're you're wrapped in light. You're wrapped in a in some kind of a, a thing that just you're not here anymore. Like you're seeing it, but you're not affected by it. You're 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 in a higher uh, kind of a place. <laughs> Miles later, you we almost died, right? I mean, <laughs> well, like that that wasn't good, was it? You know. <laughs> And uh, how come we're, how come you didn't say anything? Like, well, how come we're just talking about it now? You would think you'd be talking about it. Um, but I, I have another one. I don't, I don't see it on my list, but it's coming to my mind. I think it's here. But, uh, okay, I won't say where we were, but I'll say that we were very, very far away from home. We, well, we were off the mainland. I can say that. And of the U.S. And uh, so Kathy and Linda and I are walking. There's a beach and you know ocean and and uh we're walking um i can't remember the exact sequence of events but the thing is that there was a man and a woman um that were hovering over the trunk of a car as we as we come up through the woods from the beach area and it was this path we were following kind of exploring and uh, they, they, when we were going by, they were, they were both huddled in the thing, trying to seem like not let us get a look at them. But we go down into, and I, I can't be sure, I'll have to ask Kathy later, if that was before or after this thing happened. But there was a third person, but that person was not in sight. That person was hiding in the woods. So I guess their plan was, you know, the girls are, you know, pretty. And people get kidnapped and for whatever, all these things that I don't even like to discuss some of them because it's really dark. But um, human trafficking is a huge, huge thing that nobody seems to talk about. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, but it's multi, multi-billion dollars and all this. Um, a lot of children, but also a lot of women, but also men. Go, and for all kinds of different reasons. Any size, um, any age, <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it's it's the, the the reasons are really disgusting and there's different reasons. Mm. It's not just you know uh, sex trafficking or whatever. Um, but anyway, we uh, at one point. So there's this guy hiding in, in the woods, basically, and uh, we're walking, and all of a sudden, there, I guess as he was coming out of the woods. Uh, and and saw us. I, I can't get the exact sequence right, but I have all the pieces. But anyway, at one point, all of a sudden, we're walking down this path, and all of a sudden, there is a ton. What we call a tunnel of light. I don't know if you've ever been to like one of the Sea Worlds, uh, but anybody who's been to Sea World and gone through the Shark Encounter, it's like a conveyor belt, and then it's got this uh, fiberglass or whatever uh, tube. You know, the bottom is flat. But, and you can see the sharks, they're like right there and stuff and fish. 
and uh, we we entered into this uh, tunnel of light. Is all that I can. Uh, and I saw it. Kathy saw it. Uh, Linda did didn't see it, but I think she felt something. Uh, she didn't actually see it, and it was like it was about the walls were about that thick, and it was like scintillating uh, energy that you could kind of see through. But uh, probably just at the time that that guy was gonna, whatever he was gonna do, pull his gun or something, we walked into this tunnel. And I, I talked to Kathy about it the other day. Neither one of us uh, remembers how long we were in the tunnel. We don't remember coming out of the other end of it. We, we don't really remember. The main thing we remember is that all of a sudden it was there and you're stepping into it. It just appeared there. And uh, that's, you know, that's the only time I think that something like that has happened where it was an actual thing that you could see, not just invisible hands, you know, lifting me off the motorcycle accident or things like that, but actually just this tunnel that appeared that we walked into. It's just, and you know, it's impenetrable, right? I mean, I don't care if the, if the Chinese army had been there with, you know, tanks and stuff. I absolutely know that it, when you go in a tunnel of light, there's nothing going to touch you for as long as you're in that tunnel, right? And if the tunnel's there at all, then it's going to be there for as long as you need it, because where's it going to go? Like when, when, you, when you reverse engineer the, you know, the, like the cause and effect, you say, well, you know, there's, there's nothing. At that moment, there was nothing in the world that, that could have touched us. And that's very empowering. Well, it was there because, for a reason. Right. And it's very empowering because any of these things I've been through, because you know, and for anybody else out there who has been in, you know, you almost drowned or a car accident or you were stuck somewhere and somebody came and got you going. Uh, if it can happen once, it can happen twice. If it can happen twice, it can happen 2,000 times. There's absolutely no limit to it. That's the thing that you really start to, and that I've built into my consciousness is like, wait a second, if this can do that and it can do this and do that, what can it do? And the only answer that I have is there is absolutely nothing that it can't do. Are there things it won't do for whatever reason? Maybe, but it would be a choice. That, that power we're discussing is so awesome and just so you know all powerful that there's nothing that it can't do and I, and i've come to know in my life and i think i mentioned it on the last show we were talking about some of the other experiences that the only things uh negative things that befall me are things that are allowed to befall me and i know of a lot of things that were gonna happen that ha didn't happen but the things that do happen, they're allowed to happen. And they only happen because my protection allows it to happen. And always when you look back, you see, oh, well, I'm really glad that happened because I learned this or I saw that or you know, this happened. And it's, you know, you just have to be in constant awe, gratitude, appreciation, and wonder because it's so unlike it's it matches any fantasy sci-fi movie that you could ever imagine this is on par with that the, the things that are possible for all of us as human beings if we line ourselves up with that energy and uh and make ourselves uh 
you know, amenable to it and, uh, and um, just aligned with how all of that flows. You just got to believe and let it happen. Right, right. Do your best to, to, you know, make it not be necessary for some of this, you know, stuff. But um, uh, let's see. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look over my list here since we're on that subject and see mm -hmm. tunnel of light. I crossed that one off. Uh, let's see. Um, well, in younger years, I was, uh, I was, I had this old, uh, remember those AMC, I think they call them gremlins. And uh, oh. they were like little ugly chopped off hatchback things. And, and I had one of those. It was old and rickety and held together with rubber bands and chewing gum. And, uh, <laughs> and it was a horrible, horrible, like the ugliest green you ever saw. And I think it had a couple stripes on it or something. So like, it was horrendous. Like you weren't getting any girls in this car, let me tell you. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, but one day I remember I, I pull up on, uh, out of El Cajon at the time, again, I pull up on Interstate 8 um, and I have, to, I have to merge in and you gotta go really fast to get merged into the traffic. Um, and it was morning rush hour, so like everybody's going to work. And so I, I got right up there and I, and I gunned it to get in the flow, but then I had needed to slow down a little. And I tapped my brake. I just tapped it. And the right uh, front brake locked. It locked. And so here I am, I'd gotten right up to, you know, 55, 60 miles an hour. And I tapped my brakes because I was getting a little close to the guy in front of me or woman and the, the wheel, the brakes, the, this car was old. Everything was old about it locked. And so I went into an immediate spin. And so one second I'm looking at somebody in face to face with them. The next second I'm looking at the, somebody's side door. The next second I'm looking at, you know, somebody else's trunk or whatever. It was like, it, it was, and I was spinning like this with all these cars. It was, it was, the traffic was, it was as much traffic as you could have and still move it close to full speed. Like there's only a couple car lengths, you know, between cars and stuff. And here I am spinning, seeing all this stuff go by. And then the next thing I remember, like there's no, and I'm in the middle lane, like it's four lanes or whatever it was. And I'm like somewhere in the middle and I'm going like this, literally spinning around because that one wheel is locked. And, uh, then the next thing I remember, there's a shoulder on the side of the road. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the, on the shoulder of the road. I don't remember getting there. I don't remember anything other than I was seeing all that craziness, these cars from the different angles. I was in a spin, like a, and, uh, like a top, and then I was on the side of the road. So many chances to hit another car. Right. And totally right. missed everything. And Right. And how did I get to the side of the road? I would have had to cross all of this traffic and, and I, I, I would remember doing all that. I don't remember anything. And I don't know what other people might have seen. Like if they saw me uh, and then all of a sudden I'm gone or maybe their memory is just, you know, because I also know that when things like this happen, it's not only me, the person or whatever, everyone around is picked up into a higher energy because a higher energy had to envelop that entire section of the freeway to keep everybody safe. Cause this could have been a horrendous multi-car pileup that would have been caused by a faulty, it wouldn't have been my fault. It would have been my car's fault. Um, 
So everyone's picked up into a thing. So I don't know if what people might remember, not remember what they saw, what they didn't see. Um, but I do know what my experience was. So that's just another one of those things where, you know, you're, you're just going out, you're living your day. And all of a sudden, man, you're in trouble. And if you don't have the divine uh, intervention, if you don't have that ace up your sleeve, if you haven't availed yourself of that energy or, or attracted that kind of protection to you, something like that could be really, really bad. I mean, just read accounts of all kinds of other people who have had experiences like that, multi-car pile-ups and everything else um, is real. But what's even more real is that none of that has to touch you if you line yourself up spiritually. It's really a spiritual alignment that you do where you're, you're flowing with, with the universe like you're gently going down a river and you're not causing waves that are tipping other people's boats over. I never looked at it that way, but, and when, and you're a good person and you want the same kinds of things you want for other people, you never try to gain at other people's loss and, and all of this, it's a spiritual thing. Um, it's a spiritual proposition and mindset and way of life that you need to put yourself into to be able to go have this kind of protection. And, and it's not just saving your life and whatnot. It's, it's financial. It's, you know, um, we've almost been homeless a few times and then miraculously, you know, one time a woman, we, we have like no real, you know, job to point to, no, you know, worse people to be trying to fill out an application that you'd want to rent to us, right? Um, one time, uh, you know, within hours, probably a homelessness or whatever, a woman, um, um, sold us a mobile home in a mobile home park with no down payment, no job. I had a pickup truck I was trying to do some hauling with. She said, you know, I like you guys. I trust you guys. She filled out these papers and, and we were in that wow. place that day. Gave us this home to make payments on. No down payment, no credit check, no nothing. Another time we were given uh, hours from homelessness or whatever. We're given uh, a, a job as apartment managers which we were completely not suited for. I'm not handy. Kathy can't do the paperwork. When they found that out, a few weeks later, we're out the door, but it was enough time for something else to open up. And That's that, crazy. Wow. Just enough to stall time, right? Exactly. They carry you. They know what's going to happen. Another time, we were given a three-bedroom house in San Diego on a cul-de-sac, a three-bedroom, two-story house with an awesome yard to house sit for two months free house for, I mean, three months for like an entire seat, the entire summer, the, the owners who we knew they bought a um, way back when they bought this fancy conversion van, right. With the, you know, it's all converted, but it's a van. And uh, they traveled around the whole country for three months, visiting everyone they knew and seeing and seeing the country. We had a free house for three months at a time when we couldn't have afforded to certainly not a house like that, but I mean, we couldn't have afforded to, to have a house so uh nice yeah yeah the financial and just the roof over your head and safety it's all there but you got to line yourself up for it and you got to be in sync with the powers that be and then things are going to work out you just keep the faith you keep moving moving forward and everything's going to work out all right
That's the important part. The faith. And like you were saying, you also got to do your part because a lot of people kind of rely on that stuff. Like, ah, I don't need to look for a job. God's going to give me one. Like, nope. (laughs) You you need to get out there and do the work yourself. And if God wants to help and intervene, he will. But you can't bank on that, like, you know, without doing nothing about it. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard this story. Probably some listeners have, maybe some hasn't, but there was a flood and uh, the, the water was getting higher and higher. And, and uh, this guy was praying to God to please come and save him, you know, and eventually the water just gets higher and, and uh, somebody came by with a boat, you know, and they, oh, get in, we're at risk. Oh, no, no, I got this, you know, God's gonna save me. And the water's higher and higher. Eventually the guy's on the roof, right? And, and uh, another boat comes by or whatever. And he's like, well, come on, we're, we're rescuing everyone. Oh, no, it's okay. God's gonna, God's gonna take care of me. And uh, so anyway, the guy drowns. And uh, when, he, when he gets face to face with God, he said, God, why didn't you save me? I prayed. Why didn't you save me? And uh, God said, well, who do you think sent the three boats? You idiot. <laughs> right? I mean, you got to have some common sense. And Very true. <laughs> I heard one about another person that's uh, just praying and praying and praying. To God, God, please let me win the lottery. Please let me win the lottery over and over and over. Finally, God says, well, damn, at least buy a ticket. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's, they're trying to win the lottery, but they're not buying any tickets. So people are funny. Yeah. I like that. That's damn, man. A lot of people need to hear this, man. That's that's so true right there. Yeah, yeah. no, you got to do your part. You got to be reasonable and uh, diligent and, and uh, frugal and um, what's another one? Uh, prudent. One of the, one of the uh, president, the first president Bush used to use that. Wouldn't be prudent. And I like that word, you know, because it, there's a lot of, a lot of um, uh, wisdom in, be, in being cautious, frugal, prudent, uh, aware and just do everything you can do because there's so much that can go wrong in a physical life. Do everything you can do within reason without being a fanatic or, 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 or paranoid. Um, <clears throat> but if you do that and then you also get this other part right, you know, it's like somebody thinking, well, you know, I pray, I pray for divine intervention, but yet they're out on the freeway uh, hot rodding, right? Racing a hundred miles an hour, you know, and all this, like, no, sooner or later, you can't do stuff like that. Be risking your life, risking other people's lives and then, and praying for uh, divine, inter- divine protection and really be able to count on that because eventually you might need the lesson that here's what happens to people who keep doing this. You know, that, that uh, I mentioned uh, last week, we were talking about the motorcycle accident or the last time we were on, um, that uh, I had been down other times, you know, in the rain, you know, the bike hit, a, a, I remember one time I just tapped my brake, uh, my front brake and it was on oil, wet oil, you know, and I, and I the bike went into a spin and I'm heads back, you know, my helmet's banging off the pavement. And, uh, so I've been down other times, uh, but that one, that was it. I, I never rode again. I never got on a motorcycle again 
Like, Yo, I, oh. I get it. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, it's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I had this terrible accident, but I had divine intervention, so I can just ride motorcycles for no, I knew it was over for me. For me, motorcycle riding was over. And I needed that experience to get me off the bike. Who knows what else would have happened? Um, because I had more than my fair share of, you know, mishaps on motorcycles. And so I needed to get off of it. That's what it took to get me off of it. Um, but luckily I had the divine intervention to keep it from being so much worse than it could have been on me physically. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, everyone has their own path though, right? It's different for, for different people. And um, let's see, I'm, I'm scanning this to see if there's anything else on, uh, on that kind of a, let's see well i can talk about this one this is a situation and kathy and i were probably in our 30s at this time and we lived uh it was in california and we lived in this place where um there was this fruit stand it, you know like little strip malls you probably have them in arizona little strip malls right they probably have them everywhere I guess. like the swap meet yeah, no like uh like you're driving down the road and there's like a nail place a shoe store um, oh yeah a vitamin yep. store like a, there'll be like 15 or 20 like a little strip mall right it's just one strip mm -hmm. with a big park so it was one of those it was small though it's a smaller town and i'll say there was you know i don't know less than 10 of these little storefronts in there I got good idea. I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're broke down. Oh, yeah. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, but I carry it in a, like an 800 pound safe. We are happy our news team. Follow us. We love Florida, man. They say they go damaged. They go damaged goods. We talk cars. No. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't know where you're at, oh, I know where I'm at. Oh, but you just said, "Where am I?" Well, I was trying to like sit with myself. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Where Fuck, there's a microphone. <laughs> I think you've had too much drink, buddy. We are happy our news team. We are happy our news team. You can't be fixed. All the women in the neighborhood, they say you're damaged. What the fuck are you talking about? We are happy our news team. Follow us.
Okay, so let's uh, let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> Two major political parties of our great country would have you believe that there are only two choices when voting for the President of the United States of America. One, who is a 74-year-old, orange-faced, ex-reality TV personality who thinks he has done more for the world than Jesus, Gandhi, and Abraham Lincoln combined. Then the 78-year-old creepy kid-toucher who wants his victims to call him Uncle Joe. Both of these candidates are not even remotely equipped for the amount of fuckery that goes on in Washington. We need a leader who isn't afraid to tackle the conspiracies that run rampant through society. It's time for a leader who isn't afraid to eat the ghost pepper of controversy. One who isn't afraid to accept the hot chip challenge of foreign policy. That candidate is... Screaming Chewy! The most conspiracy theory talking, ghost pepper eating, hot chip challenge taking fuckery fixing son of a bitch that's ever stood for anything screaming chewy has a plan for the economy hey get a job yo screaming chewy has a plan for the national debt i don't have any money fuck off so if you want a leader who can't possibly be worse than the ones we have vote for screaming chewy in november this is screaming chewy and i approve this message paid for by Let's not have a bunch of old farts telling us what the fuck to do anymore, Foundation, and G.I.G. Industries. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a, a publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S. And it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S. And then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. But there was this... um fruit stand and it was it was inside i say fruit stand but it was you know inside a little uh retail space and uh they had uh down and it wasn't a very big space and down one side down one side and then down the middle they had all the cubby holes for the fruits and vegetables and stuff they never had a whole lot of stuff and i never saw a lot of people there and i and i used to wonder how how do these guys how does this guy, I only ever saw one guy in there. He was, I won't say, cause I'm not a prejudiced person and where he's from doesn't have anything to do with anything, but he's from another country. And um, I'm like, how does this guy pay all this rent, which can't be cheap. And yet, you know, you come the next day, there's still hardly anything there. You can't see where a whole lot's been sold. It's like he wasn't doing a big, huge business. Well, one day we're in there 
and uh, we had grabbed whatever, and um, we're towards the front of the store, and there's no one else in the store, as usual. It's me and Kathy and the guy. There's no one else in the store. We already went up and down a couple of two, three aisles. So here we are up towards the front of the store, a little ways from the counter, and all of a sudden I hear this ruckus, and Kathy is just a couple of feet behind me. So Kathy, without seeing anybody or knowing anything or just not, nothing, she had squatted down and stuck out her elbow and turned around, slamming her elbow. She just like went into this karate move, right? Stuck down, turned around, and she hit a guy in the stomach a guy who had not been in the store and I absolutely know did not come through the front door. Some guy oh. from the back of the store, now we're getting to how do they, how do they make their money, right? How, how do they keep open? Well, everyone, it doesn't take many. You get one person every month or two or three properly and you're good. You can pay your rent. But anyway, um, and I don't know what's going, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. All I know is, oh, my God, I said, Kathy, be careful. You can, what's going on here? <laughs> and I look over at the guy at the counter and he's leaning down. His face is about this and he's leaning down on the counter and he's looking at me. He's just staring right at me like he's seen a ghost and he's frozen and he's not moving. And um, I said something to him, but he didn't respond. And I'm like, you know, what the heck? And then. And anyway, the next thing I know now, we're, we're outside and we leave and stuff. And I'm like, Kathy, man, you've got to be more careful. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? And she's like, I don't know. Like, you know, she didn't even know the guy was behind her. But something in her made her drop her center of gravity, go into like a horse stance kind of a situation, turn around and elbow this guy right in the stomach, knock the wind out of him. And uh, so that he couldn't do anything and also startled the heck out of the other guy. And I don't know what that other guy might have seen. I read a story one, uh, one time about a guy, uh, a security guard at night who was being pistol whipped by an intruder. And he prayed. And just when he, he started praying, the guy who was pistol whipping him looked up down the hall like, and like got terrified and turned and ran. The guy turned, there's nothing there. So who knows? what the guy that was hurting the guy saw, but he saw something and he ran. So I don't know what the guy behind the counter might have seen, but he was terrified. But anyway, on the way home, I'm like, eh, you got to be more careful, you know, this and that. Still had <laughs> gone on me. So I don't know if it was the next day or what, but we're, I remember I told you with the motorcycle accident, it was a way longer a time in the future. And then I had this um, psychic vision where I'm 30 feet up and I saw everything happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's what happened here. I don't know. It was within a couple of days or whatever. But we're walking by the place again. And all of a sudden, I have this vision. And I see exactly what happened. The guy, we get up to the, the front there. And we're, we're near the counter. I don't know if we had just paid for our stuff or we're going to. I don't, I don't remember that. Kathy might. Her memory's better. But uh, so there we are. And this guy comes sneaking out. He comes darting out of that back room where he'd been hiding, he gets right behind Kathy uh, and he's ready to grab her. And the guy behind the counter is leaning down. Why is he leaning down? He's got his hand on his gun. He's ready to come up. He's going to, the one guy's going to grab Kathy. The other guy's going to point the gun at me. But just as that's happening, she turns and 
elbows the guy in the solar plexus and the other guy sees something or just sees that or doesn't know what to do and he's, he's just frozen there and I could see in my psychic vision that he had his hand on his gun but he's just staring at me and he's frozen and he can't move. And we just walked out there like, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm apologizing to the guy she hit, you know, sorry. And, we, <laughs> and then I'm giving her a hard time. But then when I had the psychic vision, I saw what happened. And so here's something where I was completely clueless. I was no help at all. And Kathy, uh, her body was made an instrument to get, it was kind of like the, uh, when the uh, vase flew off the, the thing you know the wall in the tinfoil lady's house it's like boom you get you get jarred you know that was an inanimate object in this situation it was kathy who who her body dropped and turned and even though she had no idea what she was doing had no forethought didn't know anybody was behind her so that's another uh example of divine uh intervention and it's also a warning to people i i would like to say because um People go through life thinking that they're safe. And you're not, I want to tell people, you are not safe everywhere you go. Um, and this can include, and this isn't the only one, but it's the only one I'll, I'll mention, but I mean, it's not the only one that I've become aware of, where if you go into a certain retail establishment at the wrong time, when there's not other people around, and you're alone, you may not be coming out under you know under your own power number Very one true. and another thing i've learned and people are going to see this is the stuff chewy that i have not talked about for years like i've been doing interviews like since 2008 and i, I haven't been talking about this stuff but finally i'm i'm getting wow. more more that i'm going to talk about it because people just freak out they can't and i know because i talk to people face to face and they're like oh yeah how can this be another thing i want to tell people is that when you go into a store I'm not saying anything other than, and I've seen it in multiple states. I'm not saying it's any particular area. I'm just saying it happens. Okay. If you just, if you just do the math and break down some of the financial rewards, just getting one person for some of these different reasons that they're used is so massive that you can understand. A lot of people don't have any moral standards and uh, it's the money is going to, is getting in. But the other great lesson for anyone who, who is, has ears open enough to hear it, is that when you go into such a situation, don't think that just because there are a few other customers around that you're safe. I can't believe I'm saying this stuff today, but that what I absolutely know is that not all of those customers are real customers in the places that do this kind of thing. Oh, damn. I've probably, I might regret this because, you know, I don't want to make myself uh, look crazy. I don't want to make myself a target, but th there's a lot of danger out there. And people, no, that's people, smart. Yeah, that's, people that's walk mean. through their lives assuming that they're safe everywhere they go. And what I want to tell them is that you, anytime you're out of the view of the public, right, you're in somebody else's space where other people outside of that space, um, can't see you. You have basically just put your life in these people's hands. Now, maybe they're fine. Maybe they're just selling shoes and that's the end of it. But what if they're not? You have just walked into a place. You're alone. Let's say you're a woman. 
you're completely alone. There's two men in here. They got a simple push button they can push to lock the door. Nobody can see in there. And you're just hoping that these are two nice people. Well, what do you think? You know, criminals don't have jobs. Criminals don't use their workplaces as, as uh, fronts for different things. So, you know, for anybody, I mean, if you're going in a situation like that, call somebody, tell them where they are. Another thing I've learned is when you realize, if you realize, most, here's the thing, most people don't realize they're in trouble. There's nobody around to tell the stories like I am because it's too late once they find out. But here's mm -hmm. a little trick I'll give you, and it's, it's helped me more than once. As soon as you see you're in trouble, you get out that cell phone right away. You make a call, even if you're faking the call. And you say, yeah, hey, I'm in Joe's shoe, shoe, uh, shoe store right now. Yeah, um, I'm going to head over there now. Yeah, I'm heading for the front door. Like you voice where you are and you keep talking, whether it's a real call or not. Ideally, it would be until you get out of the place. And that has actually helped me more than once. I'll, I'll put it that way. And That's so, real smart. And, yeah. you know, you're 100% right about a lot of people don't know when they're in danger because, you know, a lot of people don't have that uh, situational or environmental awareness, right. you know, like, like what, when I walk in a place, you know, I'm not like suspicious of everybody, but I look around, right. you know, you look for the exits, you look for the bathrooms. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like, like you were saying, I don't want to sound crazy, but I always think to myself, like, what if somebody fucking busted in right here with a gun? Like, what would I do? Right. Like, and, you know, and not only criminals, but there's psychopaths out there. There's, there, there's... There, there are so many bad people out there, and most of them do not look bad. Here's the thing, folks. There's clean cut. They're friendly. They're smiling. They're well-dressed. They got suits and ties on. Uh, but but it's, it, it is a dangerous world out there. And what you're saying is exactly right. There's no situational or environmental awareness People just assume they're safe. If you, here's something people can do. Go on YouTube. And I'm writing another book, by the way, uh, after these two I got coming out on Thought, Power, and Divine Order. One is on self-defense, basically. From a nice. physical awareness standpoint, from a physical uh, confrontation, if it becomes, uh, uh, you know, um, necessary of what you can do to protect yourself. Uh, but also the spiritual angle is totally in there where you can have the spiritual protection and all of that. Um, well, I hope I didn't lose my, my frame of thought. So I got that book. Um, do you remember what I was saying just a moment ago before I said I have that book? Um, the book, uh, I'm trying to think. It's probably, the book about self-defense? Yeah, it's probably a story from the book. Um because uh, people, oh, oh, yeah, and I tell people in the book, and I'm going to tell people here on the podcast, go to YouTube or wherever, Vimeo, whatever you do, and punch it and, and type in as a search term, unprovoked violent attacks, as an example, <clears throat> word something oh, like wow. that. Type that in. Do, do, it, do it later when you have a chance, right? Unprovoked violent attacks or whatever. And I do all kinds of stuff, street fights caught on camera and all this bar fight. But I've seen lots of those and some are even like hitmen and stuff. Right, right. But the, the unprovoked violent attacks. OK, you will see video after video after video. In one, there's a woman who's walking down. She's out in public. It could be like a, a subway station or something. And there's this big, wide 
um, set of stairs and people might run across this one, maybe type in something that might be a search term for that. Um, there's cement stairs, you can see there's stone masonry or whatever. And she comes into the view of the camera and she's going down and this guy runs up behind her and does a stomp kick. Like a stomp kick is with the whole front of your foot right in the middle of this poor woman's back and sends her flying down the stairs and then runs out of the, the, the view. You oh my will see, God. Yeah, you will see uh, cameras because there's cameras everywhere now. You will see the, the you remember the knockout game or whatever they called it? You will yes. see many, many cases of where someone... <clears throat> men, women, it doesn't matter, walking down the street by themselves, minding their own business, and someone walks up, I mean, runs up usually behind them and blindsides them and just slams them in the side of the head with a powerful punch that sends them face planting into the thing. They're clearly completely knocked out. You know that they're probably over and over. You can see a whole lot of those. Uh, you can see videos, uh, unprovoked knife attacks, where people just come out with knives and start stabbing people. It's all on YouTube. I'm not making it up. But what I want people mm -hmm. to know, and what I really want them to notice, is this, that in every single one of these cases, I mean, the person obviously <clears throat> had absolutely no environmental or situational awareness. They were completely uh, oblivious to any possible threats in their environment. And this is what predators look for. They believe me, they don't want you to fight back. You could be a little old lady with mace, right? Or who knows what. Uh, and so what they have on their side <clears throat> is the, and they always go for it, they always this card, it's the element of surprise. So people can go and, they, and the other thing I, I want people to watch in these videos is that once a person is down and especially in gang attacks and stuff, and I watch a lot of this stuff because it's very uh, educational. And in my book, I recommend people watch it. I watch educational videos where they're teaching you, you know, martial arts and, and self-defense techniques and all of that. But I learned just as much from watching this raw footage of actual real life things that happen on the street. Another thing you'll notice that happens on the street is that um, when someone is down and clear, whether it's one attacker or multiple attackers, and that's another one, uh, type in multiple attacker, street fight, uh, three on one, stuff like that. There's videos to pop up for all of this. <clears throat> Here's something very disturbing that you'll notice is that once a person is down, course that's when there everybody comes in right but here's the scary part even after they are clearly unconscious they will continue to be kicked stopped stomped punched repeatedly repeatedly uh when they're clear th this is brain damage right this is very very they're already unconscious uh another thing i i like people to see is that um when people run up on people and grab them and in a fight, it, it might not be a blindside, but it could be, <clears throat> and grab them and pick them up in the ground and turn them over and slam them down on their heads on the pavement, right? On, on the concrete. You will see all of this stuff. And the reason, you know, people say, well, oh, that's, that stuff's ugly. You're, you're supposed to be a spiritual teacher. You know, what's your trip, you know? And I'm like, Listen, if you don't know what's happening, then you can't be prepared for it. 
if you watch enough of these videos and you see that the people who are not looking for it are the people who are getting it, right? It seems to be counterintuitive to spiritual, you know, if you think about it, you're going to attract it. Um, whereas people who are aware, and I'm just like you, like I'll go into a place and I will immediately <clears throat> scan the entire place. Like, here's, here's the problem. We're domesticated, right? We're, we're civilized, supposedly. We don't have the sense that the animals in nature have. Any animal in nature is 100, or even in civilization, you know, dogs and cats on pavement, right? They don't even have to be in their natural environment. Any animal knows and instinctively, without thinking about it or stressing about it, scans its environment on a low level of, of awareness, but constantly that mechanism is in play. You are constantly as an animal mm -hmm. scanning your environment for any possible threats so that you will not be taken by surprise and you will have time to decide what am I going to do? Am I going to run? Am I going to climb? Am I going to run in a hole? Am I going to turn and fight? If I'm a skunk, am I going to spray this guy or, or take off and, and save my perfume for another day? Um, the fight or we, flight. Right. We don't have the sense, when I say we, I mean the population at large, we don't have the sense that an animal has to understand that there's danger in the world and that it is um, incumbent upon you to be aware of your environment so that you can uh, foresee uh, any possible threats, and then if you identify any, you monitor that threat. Like you could not pay me, you know, to walk from one corner of a city, long city block to the to the next corner, without at intervals glancing over my shoulder. Like one one example I give in the book, I yep. could be walking down the street, and there's absolutely or on the pier, and there's absolutely no one else around. Right, it's early in the morning or it's getting into the evening. And I see a guy a half a block away. And I turn like this and I'm just walking, minding my own business, but I see this guy, right? He's, this is an unknown entity, right? This is a full grown man who I do not know who can be capable of anything. So I glance over my shoulder and okay, mine, and I keep walking, but my mind immediately calculates how long, if this guy's a good runner, and if he, as soon as I turn my head, broke into a dead sprint towards me about how long it would take him to get to me. And guess what? I glance over my shoulder again before that time has expired. Before it's expired. People think, well, you're paranoid. And I'm like, no, I'm aware. I'm aware. And I tell people, sit down, watch these videos until you are sick to your stomach and then see if you don't start monitoring your environment a little bit better, especially when you're out in public. There's a lot of danger mm -hmm. when you're out of the public view, but there's also a lot of danger when you're out in the public around people. And people take it for granted. And, you know, I'm in an open carry state and I, I believe, you know, in open carry, you know, learn, learn how to use it, get familiar with it. But, you know, I know guns ain't for everybody. So, you know, I suggest at least carry a knife, learn self-defense, because those videos you're talking about, I've seen so many of those, right. and I show them to my friends and my family, and some people are like, why the fuck would you show me that? And I'm like, that's real life, right. you yeah. know? And he, like you were saying, even in public, i seen a video of this guy in a subway, crowded subway. 
he's being stabbed on the floor. There's a guy on top of him stabbing him, and he's screaming for help. There's a whole crowd of people all around him, and they're just recording him. Right. And I'm thinking, if everybody jumped on the guy with the knife, they could fucking take the knife away, but right. nobody wants to jump, you know? Right. And it, it's so sad. In, in a public place, so many people around, you think you're safe, but you're, no. you're not. People, if they, have a, if they have their phone, which everybody does, they're going to video it. Very few people are going to um, step in. And, but it only takes one person. I mean, even to, to not put yourself in too much harm in a situation like that, just run up behind the guy grab him by the hair on his head from behind and then just yank and start running the other way with the guy to, to pull him off of that. You know, even one person can do something. I mean, you can hurt the guy worse than that. If you want to, you know, knuckle him in the eye or just so many things. I share them in, in my book, uh, my self-defense and street fighting book. Uh, That's awesome. You're doing that, man. Yeah. That's I, I also put a lot of emphasis though on awareness, on thinking ahead, on not putting yourself in situations where any of this kind of stuff can happen. Also, the divine intervention part of it, and I give examples of when people have tried to pull guns on me and different things where they haven't been able to do it. And so I cover those two angles, awareness and divine intervention. But in the middle, there's this area where someday it's conceivable you might actually have to do something physical. And if and when that ever happens, you know, you, you got to act decisively, you have to act quickly, you have to act without hesitation, and you have to have thought about this in advance. Because when it happens, you're going to go into a total um, just uh, freeze mode. You're going to have tunnel vision, the general is going to be pumping, but it's not going to know, you're not going to know what to do with it. And like, no fight or, or flight. Right, exactly. So like you've said, um, you, you go into a situation and I do the same thing. I'm in a restaurant uh, sitting there and people think I'm paranoid, but guess what? If, if at all possible, I pick a corner booth or something. Yep, so well, you can see the door. I, so I can, not only that, but I don't have to look over my shoulder. Like nobody, if anybody's gonna come at me, right? Some maniac with a fork or hot coffee or something, who knows what could happen. Uh, he's not going to come up behind me. He's got to come. For, so people say, well, you're all stressed out. You're trying to eat. No, I don't have any stress because I can see everything. And if anything happens, I will have some time to respond. And that's just being smart. You know, like you were saying in the animal world, you know, like, for instance, um, a lot of predators, they go for the weak or the slow. And I'm not saying people, they're not situational awareness that they're weak or anything. But I mean, not being aware, it, it kind of hinders you, you know, because they have the element of surprise, right. like you were saying, you know, like, like the gazelle or deer, they hear a twig snap, right. they're fucking out of there, you know, because they know that the, you know, whether it's a leopard or a cougar, whatever it is, it's going to pounce on you from behind. You're not going to see him right. coming, you know, so you got to be aware. The element of surprise in and of itself can mean the fight right there because the they say the punch that knocks you out is the punch you don't see coming and you will see that in these you watch street fights on youtube right watch the street fights and people are taking punches to the head and everything else but when someone comes up and sucker punches you they go down and they're out they're face planted and they're out it's the punch you do not see coming that knocks you out 
And the element of surprise, just think of it. They get the first punch. They get the first kick. They get the first thrust of the knife. They get the first whatever they want. And they're already ready for the second move. It's not going to be yours. And so you, you have to do everything um, within reason <clears throat> to make sure that someone does not get the element of surprising you. And it's sad or we can call it unfortunate that we live in a world where this kind of awareness, you know, like let's say you're at um, Thanksgiving dinner and you have 15 people around and it's all family and you know everyone since you were born, right? 80 to eight and everybody knows everybody and everybody's everyone's aunt, uncle. You probably don't need to worry about this. Okay, enjoy yourself. But when you are around people that you do not know, especially in questionable environments where people of you know, lower moral standards or character might congregate or where it's completely unknown, like who's on a certain city streets at night or whatever, you're just taking your chances. If you're not trying to stay aware and be ready and ask yourself, what if, right? You know, what if? What if someone comes in that door right now and they got a gun? What am I going to do? Make a quick phone call, run out that other door, uh, run in the bathroom because I saw they have a window there I can climb out of and then make a call. Uh, what am I going to do if I'm in the corner, like one place I was at and there's a door to come in, but you're right there. What do you do? I remember I made this decision very, very early in life. And it was way back when you'd have to look up the year, but I had not been in California very long. But do you remember the, uh, the McDonald's shooting in San Ysidro, California? Does that ring a bell? Any, any, yeah. yeah, anybody out there can look that up. I forget how many people were shot or whatever. And I was very young when I heard that. And I heard about people hiding under the tables and everybody was screaming and, and but nobody did anything. And I made this decision as a very young, young person in my early 20s. Uh, yeah, I would be in my early 20s at the time. I made this decision that if I'm ever in a situation like that, I'm not going to hide under the table. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to try to run behind the counter. I'm going to be the guy that tries to do something because I could not believe that. Now, I'm not going to be stupid and jump up and say something stupid and, you know, egg the guy on. Or, but I'm the guy <laughs> who's looking for the opportunity to end this threat and to save people's lives. Because when I heard that story, how everybody's running, hiding, screaming and nobody's doing nothing. When you know you're in, a, you know you you got a gun, but there's people there's people behind you and everything else. I made a decision at a young age that uh, I would be the guy that my focus is trying to stop the person from doing any more damage nice. than he's already done. And you know there are people like that out there. You know people do step in and, and help, but most people um, they don't. Most people are gonna just watch. And the predators rely on that, you know? Right, right. But, you know, like like uh, maybe, was it last year? or I think it was last year there was a shooting in a Texas church. And um, he was able to shoot two people, but then he was shot dead by the church security right. who was right. armed, you know? And I think there was other people in that church that were all armed and, you know, they fought back. Right. 
But, you know, there's other places where people aren't allowed to have guns and the shooter will just kill everybody till he runs out of ammo or the cops get there. You know, there, there's been school shootings where the cops themselves ran away and didn't go after the shooter, you know, so you can't just depend on other people. Sometimes, you know, you just got to take action yourself if, right. if you can. You know? Right. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a sad commentary on the world, but, you know, these things, um, I mean, just look at, there's never been a time in human history where it hasn't been dangerous. And yeah. you have, you have the elements and you have the um, natural disasters, but one of the most insidious um, dangers is from other human beings. You know, Very I, don't true. Care, I don't care how spiritual we want to be. If we deny that fact, then we're just living in la-la land. We're just not facing reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you look at human history from the beginning, we have a long history of violence towards each other, towards everyone every species out there you know it, it's sad but it's it, it, if you look at human history it's violence is a huge part yeah yeah so prepare spiritually prepare mentally prepare emotionally and prepare physically you don't have to be fanatical but you just you know be that one person that they can't get the jump on be that person that they don't have the element of surprise be that person who jumps in and helps somebody because you've already thought in advance. Well, what if all of a sudden on the street, some guy, I mean, you, you see video, there's been some recent uh, things, I think. I don't know if they were recent or, or not because uh, if I saw them on the recent news footage, um, but where somebody will come up and there's like an old, an old man, like, you know, hunched over and stuff and some young, big, strong guy will just come up and just start beating the heck out of him. Well, you know, ask yourself, if that happened in front of you, what are you going to do? You know, back off, make a phone call, run where this guy, the next blow might be the, the punch that kills him. Or are you going to try to do something? But think a little bit in mm -hmm. advance, anticipate, you know, these, this could happen, that could happen, that could happen. And what if it does? What would I do? And if it does happen, you've already got at least something to go on. You won't freeze. You won't, you know, uh, think that uh, this isn't happening or, you know, because most people just freeze. Um, they, you know, you see in the horror movies, right? When the, when the maniac uh, lifts the knife, what happens? Ah, they cower, they, you know, oh, they yeah. scream. I mean, that doesn't help, right? Screaming, cowering, mm -hmm. going like this, begging, none of that helps. Um, well, since we're on the subject, I can give a little advice if somebody pulls a knife on somebody. Oh, nice. All right. So most people, it's, it's common sense when you think it out, but most people are worried about the knife. I'm not worried about the knife. I'm worried about the person. Because if the knife was laying there all by itself, is it can't do anything. Okay. So that's first thing. I'm worried about the knife, not the person. Now, if you, if you, look, you go on there and you, and you look up uh, knife defenses, knife defense techniques and all this on YouTube. And you'll see all this stuff where you, you block and then you grab the wrist and then you twist it around and you'll see all of this stuff, which believe me, if you don't practice it a hundred million times and if the stars don't line up perfectly when someone does pull a knife on you, um, that ain't gonna work. 
it requires it requires too much um, hand-eye coordination, too much dexterity, too much precision, timing, speed. So, I will tell you, a lot of that stuff out there is baloney. It's not for the average person who's not going to spend their whole life being a, a dedicated martial artist. Forget about that. The other thing is that you notice is that most people and most and just ask most people you know or see what would happen they're thinking about the knife they've got to stop the knife and so one thing is and a lot of, and i i have to chuckle or just shake my head in in frustration when i see a lot of these trainings where on video where they're showing you what to do and it's like well the guy has pulled the knife out and now when he's starting to go like this and i'm like wait a second you just lost your opportunity so I tell people, forget about the knife. You do not have to deal with the knife and you do not have to wait until the knife is in motion. As soon as you see there's a knife, you can run if there's a chance to run or you have to then attack. You have to be preemptive and you don't go for the knife. You go for the throat, you go for the eyes, you go for the knee. You don't have to worry about the knife. If you break someone's knee, wow. a leopard paw, like I can show people right now. Put your hand like this, fold those really tight, put the thumb here, and just take this and hit your own hand, and you will see how hard this is. If you like that in somebody's throat, right? I don't care who they are. They are, I could hear that hit. <laughs> that, I mean, and that's on bone, right? So you take this. I'm, I'm teaching right now, women, everybody who's watching. Somebody pulls a knife or any situation, but let's say it's a knife and they go like this and you got a wall behind you. You go, bam, right here. Now that does one of two things. What, uh, it does a few things. One is it takes his mind completely off the knife. I mean, completely off that arm. He's not going to be able to do anything. But here's a very important thing that it does. It gives you the next move. The next move is yours if you've thought this out. So you do that and then the next move is yours. It could be the same thing to the side of the neck, to the carotid artery. It could be a kick to the groin. It could be a kick to the knee. It could be a knee to the groin. It could be, but, but the, the, the lesson is, first of all, don't worry about the knife. Second of all, as soon as you see the knife, you don't wait till it comes so that you can defend against it, you attack the person holding the knife. And then remember that the first strike has to be fast, accurate, and it has to count. And then the second strike is yours because they cannot recover from the first strike before you can launch the second strike and the third and the fourth and the fifth until it, the um, threat is resolved. So just with that little insight, I think, and my book is going to be like full of stuff like that, but just that. Oh, fuck. You know, I'm excited, man. Yeah. I think anybody that watching this, that hears that, that could save somebody's life someday. You, you take the first shot. And how about a gun? People say, uh, well, what if somebody pulls a gun? Well, you know, again, you can see these gun defenses where, or you'll see a Chuck Norris movie and somebody pulls a gun in his face and boom, and then he's holding the gun you know, pointing at a therapist. Well, you know how much training and practice and doing that hundreds and thousands of times, who's going to do that? Experienced, lifelong, dedicated martial artists, no one else. So people, um, if someone pulls a gun on you, the, the 
immediate response or what you're going to think of is running. But running is not always the best um, defense. Now, if you do run, don't run in a straight line, right? And be looking for things to get behind that can actually block bullets. Run in a zigzag. He can still shoot you, but at least he's got he's to work harder. He's got to be more proficient at it and whatnot. But also, if someone, especially if they're just pulling the gun and they're a couple of feet in front of you or something, running is not maybe always the best option because you can get shot in the back. The best option sometimes would be to go in. And it's, a, it's the same philosophy. Do not worry about the gun so much as you're worrying about the person. Yes, you would like to get the gun out of the person's hand, but you have to, you have to address the person before you think about or worry about the gun. And it's the same philosophy. And even when someone pays, pulls a gun and you don't have one, um, if running is not, uh, you know, like, you know, it's like you can, the, the elevator doors are closing, right? And you can immediately get inside. Uh, and, you know, that's not going to happen. So if you can't, uh, if you can, it might make more sense to go in. That's another. And I can, I can give a few more quick little things from the book now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah, for sure, uh, man. Let's say that you're inside somewhere and uh, wherever it is, a bar. And all of a sudden there's a ruckus and now you're facing two, three guys, like multiple attackers, and you're alone and they're going to attack you. And for whatever reason, you cannot get to the exit. Look for another doorway, okay? Not to escape. Like, let's say there's a doorway into a bathroom and you already know that in there, there's one window this big and it's way high, you can't get out. But what you do is you get in that doorway and you turn around, but you have to have something. Like you gotta know how to throw a, a, a strike, a chop, a kick. I mean, practice a couple little things. You don't have to be a martial artist. You know, have a have something you're going to do when when an aggressor gets close to you, but when you get in that doorway and then you turn around, first of all, no one can sneak up behind you. Second of all, they can only come at you kind of like one or one and a half at a time because they can't. The doorway is only this wide, and there's four of them, and so now you have a chance to deal with each one as they come. That's smart. Kind of funnel them in, right? Funnel them in. Where, and by the same token, let's say there's two people, and you see a lot of this, two-on-one. Look those up on YouTube, like two-on-one. If uh, there's two guys, and they are going, they're aggressive, and they're, they want to fight you, immediately move yourself so that you always keep one guy in between you and the other guy, so that the other guy can't get you because this guy's in between. Okay, and and some of the videos uh, with the experts, they'll show you. Well, you grab this guy, and you use him as a as a shield, you know, or whatever. But when I watch them, I'm like, wait a second, this guy's hands that you're holding is completely free. He could have a knife in his pocket. Like <laughs> they don't really they don't really think, or or they'll be doing a, a technique with a knife thing, and I'm like, hey, don't you the blade the point of that plastic knife is sticking right in your arm. You're not even like paying attention. So the experts don't always know the best. Sometimes the best is just common sense, but there are um, uh, 
um, just general principles that if you just think about it and have like a philosophy, your philosophy of, of um, war, your philosophy of fighting is as important as your techniques because without the philosophy um, and, and the status quo of how you conduct yourself, then nothing else is going to make sense. Um, so let's say there's a, a bunch of people and they're, they're going to, uh, they want to fight you. And so people would say, well, you should run. And that's, that's good, right? If you can run, then you run. But what if there's, it's an open expanse, you're on a beach or somewhere, and there's five or six of them and there's one of you, can you really outrun all of them? Um, right. When they get to you, are some of them younger and obviously more fit than you? When they get to you, are you going to be so out of breath and now they're just going to have their way because now you've used up all your energy. So you've oh, got to, wow. think, you know, it, it's, it's instinct. I got to run. I got to run, but that might be the worst thing to do. Maybe you run just, you know, they're going to follow you. And that's the other thing. When you run, they will chase you. I mean, that's an animal instinct, even a dog. If you run, it will chase you. So mm -hmm. you run just far as one example, you know, you can't outrun them all. There's no safety. There's no police station to run into. So you run only far enough that you have to run where the fastest guy in the pack breaks loose from the pack and is the closest to you. And then you let him get close enough to you where then you immediately stop. And if you know how to do a sidekick or something, you slam it into his knee and then what? Then you take off running again. So you always want to nice. you never want to fight 10 guys at one time. You want to fight 10 guys at 10 different times. And that's what the doorway does for you. That's what the running and letting the, the fastest guy get out in front does for you. Um, so you want to, and there's, there's part of the psychology of, um, of uh, multiple attackers is that the larger the group, the more violent they will tend to be the more violent they'll tend to be. Oh, because shit, that's there's, a, crazy. there's what they call a diffusion of responsibility. Like nobody's really responsible and they will just tend to be more aggressive and, and more um, harmful. And the other thing that I want people to notice, look up, um, since we're just brainstorming, right? Look up uh, uh, um, multiple attackers. And when you see multiple guys on one guy, you will see these guys that are, are watching from the outside and then when the guy gets hit or starts going down, they come rushing in. But if that guy gets his footing back, boom, they back up right away. So you can see that most of the yeah. people are cowards. Okay, mm -hmm. it, And there's just like one main guy maybe that if, if you hurt him, then probably the others would, would get the message. Um, and another lesson would be stay on your feet. I, I don't care if you know, you know you, you're a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master. If there's three guys, you don't want to take one of them to the ground, right? Because then the other ones jump on you. There's two more that can stick you, kick you, punch you, stomp you. Um, so it's just like stuff like that. It's making me excited to get back to, to that book because I haven't worked on that one, particularly uh, that book for, for quite a while. But I think it's a book that's going to help a lot of people. It's going to help them to uh, stay out of situations where things like this would happen. It's going to help them develop the right uh, mindset, attitude, and spiritual quality to have divine protection when they need it. Um, but also in that little gray area in between all of that, if you ever have to do something, uh, you need to know what that's going to be 
you need to practice a few little things. You don't have to become a martial artist or go to classes or anything. Just learn it like this one thing I, sh I showed people. You learn that, you, you hit yourself here and you'll see, man, your stomach just starts to turn or go like this, right? Classic karate chop and hit the side of your own neck, like even like that. And it, it makes your stomach kind of um, turn and it makes you nauseous. And, it, and just imagine really hitting someone on the side Damn. of the neck with that. Okay, so, so do a little bit of study, learn the vulnerable parts of uh, the human body and then learn what weapons, you know, foot. There's a couple different kinds of kicks you can learn that are very easy. You don't have to do anything above the waist. Technically, you don't have to do anything above the knee, really. Um, so learn some vulnerable spots. Learn uh, a few of your natural weapons, elbows, whatever, to use against those. And then practice those in, in a sequence with an understanding of how the human body will respond. If you kick someone in the knee, they're going to start coming down that everyone that you kick in the knee is going to start coming out or you punch in the stomach. So you already know this. So you give the low hit, you know, they're coming down, then you give the, the higher hit. And it's, it's just based on a, on an understanding of how the human body reacts. And the main thing that should really make people confident. And um, once they have some techniques and they know the areas of the human body to attack, one of the, the best things in the world to know and to give you confidence is that if you make a good move, the next move is yours because they cannot respond that quickly. If you hit someone in the throat or if you kick someone in the knee uh, or if you knuckle someone or chop someone to the side of the neck, if you're ready and you've already thought it out, the next move is yours. And if you've thought about what happens when you hit someone here, well, obviously they're going to go this way. If you hit them here, they're going to go down, right? There's certain, if you hit them higher up, they're going to go back and you know this. So you're already ready for your next move. So I, we never expected, right? We weren't going to, I don't know where the subject came from, but I think even with the little bit we've talked about, I think we've really helped to prepare people, number one, to wake them up, uh, to know that there's a lot going on that you ha that they have not wanted to, that they've been ignoring or in denial about or haven't done their research about, but also it's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to understand and to prepare for. And then you can be more confident and more relaxed when you walk through life because you're better equipped to um, handle situations that come up. People automatically assume if the guy's got a knife, I'm done. If the guy's got a gun, I'm done. If there's four of them, there's no way, but there are ways, but you've got to think about it in advance do a little you know, uh, practice, do a little thinking, do a little study. And most normal situations that, because you know, it's not 10th uh, degree martial arts masters that are walking around bothering people. That usually is not happening, right? It's people that are extremely mm -hmm. vulnerable. And if you know some, just think, if you know some spots on the human body that are highly vulnerable to injury and you know certain things to do with your body to attack those specific areas and you, and you go into a whole new mindset and here's the mindset these aggressors are not the predators you're the predator only they don't know it and they are nice. they are completely stupid and ignorant because they are coming within striking distance of a person that they do not know. 
They don't know if you're a, a, a martial arts master. They don't know if you have a gun. They don't know if you have a, have a knife in your pocket. So they're really stupid and they're highly vulnerable. And when they come in and they think wow. they're the ones that are attacking, but you are the one who attacks them, guess who's got the element of surprise now? It's all, it, a lot of it is all mindset. Again, with the awareness and the divine intervention, hopefully you'll never have to lay a hand on another human being. If and when you do, it's not as scary as you think, and you can be a whole lot more prepared than you are right now. So, Very good advice, man. And, and that, by, that book, by the way, is going to be free on, on the, uh, the uh, digital formats like my other books are now. We talked about that. Uh, so anybody can get that, that book on Kindle, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, etc. for free. So there's no reason when, when that book comes out, get that book, read it. You'll have a whole new understanding and awareness in life. Um, and what's that book going to be called? Do you have a title for it? Well, I, I don't give my whole titles because mm -hmm. I don't like uh, somebody else might use it. Um, but I will tell you that the key words in it are um, self-defense and uh, street fighting. And uh, then there's a couple of phrases in the subtitle like uh, mind power and spiritual energy, something like that. So you'll definitely, definitely know, know, know it. And uh, it's going to be actually, it's not a big book, but it is my longest book to date, I believe, maybe 130, because I don't write big books. I like short books to the point, um, no fluff. But uh, because I do tell in this book, I usually don't tell stories in my book. I usually write them more as a matter of fact, kind of a manual. But in this book, I actually give stories. Uh, let me make a note to myself. Um, I actually tell stories about things that have happened to me and uh, the divine intervention and, and some physical altercations I've had in life, uh, earlier life. One time I got jumped on a, a school bus by like... Um, I don't know how many, 10 or more guys from that other side of town. Fuck. All the guys that, that from my side of town got a ride home. It was raining with somebody's mother and I didn't know it. And so I, I got jumped by all these guys. So I have really fun, interesting uh, stories like that in there. Another time I got, I'm talking, I'm, you know, 16 years old or something. Another time I got, I got uh, jumped in a, in a men's room by three guys. I was about 14 and they were all about 16, bigger than me. And, and I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know anything about fighting, um, but just instinct took over, you know, and uh, I, I took care of the one guy and, the, and there was blood. And uh, the other two guys like jumped out of my way as I was leaving the bathroom. This yeah, you're a badass. They don't know oh, who they're fucking really. with. <laughs> no, not really. It's just, uh, it was just, I have a pure instinct, you know, but they weren't expecting it. And I just went on instinct. Um, what, what happened was, um, they cornered me in the bathroom and uh, turned the light off. And I caught a really uh, sharp strike, which was a kick to the ribs, like right up under in Ooh, front of me. Ouch. And then the light went back on. And so I immediately, I'll just tell people, and I'm not bragging because I never, and I'm not tough. I'm not strong. I'm not young. I mean, I'm not any of that, right? I'm not a martial arts master, but I'm a human being that will, will protect themselves if you know caused to uh, but it was just pure instinct that took over i immediately glanced down and i saw that one of the guys was wearing um um cowboy boots so i knew that that was the guy who had kicked me right 
So he already struck me. And I knew I could tell by the way they were smirking and stuff that they were ready to pounce at any second. Like I was going to get a major ass kicking by three guys, two years older and all several inches bigger. They had the weight on me, everything. I'm just this little skinny. I was skinny when I was 14 years old. And um, so what I did was I didn't even think it. I didn't think about it in advance. I reached out and I grabbed the, the cowboy boot guy by the hair. And then I grabbed him by the back of his pants by his belt and I moved him in between me and the other guys. And it's just this little, here's the urinals here and then here's the sink. So I only get this little space to work with. But when I grabbed him by the hair, grabbed him by the back of the thing and turned him, he was a, a block between me and them. So now they had to get past him to get me. And then I started uh, banging his head in the urinal is what I did and there was blood nice and then I started I let go of his pants there and I started flushing the urinal and then I started <laughs> screaming like a maniac to the other two you want a fucking piece of this you want to get and I just went off like this as I'm doing this guy over here <laughs> I'm yelling right at them and that was finally I just dropped them and these two guys looked like they see the ghost and they jumped out of the way and again there was no great strength involved there was no great uh, skill I didn't know anything about fighting. All it was was instinct. There was three guys, a skinny 14-year-old, three big 16-year-olds. You're about to get your butt kicked, and you would think there's he doesn't know how to fight, you know, like you know, like everybody else. You get in a fight and everybody punches and tries to grab each other. You watch kids fight, you watch a lot of the street fights, nobody knows how to fight. They punch, they they try to get you in a headlock, they try to, but nobody is a trained fighter. I was not a trained fighter. I was 14 years old. I was out-aged. I was out-heighted. I was out-weighted. I was outnumbered. But yet, that instinct in me, like a rat that had been cornered, took over, and I walked out of there. And uh, I, I, and I, I had the opportunity or whatever. These people then were not, they were, uh, it was in, I'll just say it was in a new place that I had gone. And so I was going to have to see these people like in, from now on, like they were in my environment, although that was my first day and I was the new guy that's gonna get his ass kicked. Um, and the one guy for the whole entire time after that, he used to always, uh, hey, Jimmy, man, how's it going, man? You want a cigarette, man? You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, not the guy I beat up, but the other guy. So I just want people to know, you don't have to be you know, big, you don't have to be strong, you don't have to know a whole lot. But if, if you just have just the basic that the animal has, that your dog has, that your cat has, common sense and uh, situational awareness and, and um, the, the uh, self-preservation instinct, which people don't, self-preservation to them is everybody who gets stabbed to death has defensive wounds because they're going like this because that's what you naturally do. Mm -hmm. um, but what about something more than that? People can learn that. And uh, my book will help a lot. But I think probably what we've shared today, right? I think people are going to walk away uh, more aware and more um, able. Just if somebody's coming at you and some woman and you hit her, you hit the woman, hits the guy in the throat, kicks him in the knee and runs. I mean, you just got like a, a, a self-defense lesson from this video today is the way I look at it. And we, yeah. we weren't planning on talking about it. I don't even know how it came up. 
But I, I uh, love it though. I mean, yeah, man, you, you got it down, man. I mean, I love how you talked about, you know, divided intervention, but you know, like you mentioned, don't bank on it, you know, do your part and even spiritually prepare yourself. But now you mentioned physically prepare yourself. And I love that. I mean, great advice man and i'm excited for your book is it do you know do you have a date for it when it's going to come out or pretty no, soon no i say soon but that could be months um I, these two books i just proofread both of them this morning again and uh there's such tiny little things i'm doing so these first two should be pretty soon i'm not even sure the other ones will be this year at this point it's so late in the year but I think that they're the next two. The one is on uh, self-defense and street fighting, and the other one is on dead people. And the ones that are coming out very quickly are divine order and thought power. So that'll be, I have 11 now. That'll be 12, 13, and then 14 and 15. So hopefully after talking with you today about all of this, I'm a lot more excited to get back on that because it's been some of my books, you know, before I publish them, they actually, they sit on the shelf for years and then I finally pick them up again and say, oh, I, I need to, you know, proofread this. And then, then I get them out. These two books I'm getting out now, they're from like a year ago, you know, what, and they're short, wow. you know, and then the dead people and the, the uh, self-defense were written even before those, right? So these two are coming out sooner than, than those two are. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just what I get to and, and what I feel. But I'm excited now talking to you to get that to put more attention on that book pretty soon. These other two are going to be out pretty soon. And I'm going to get back on that one and, and uh, whip it into shape and get it out there. Fuck yeah, man. I can't wait, man. And um, where can people find your other books? So they can uh, just go to my website, jamesgoijr.com. And of course they can get a free copy of Attract Money Forever when they sign up for my free monthly Mind Power and Money Easing. Um, and then all of my other books other than that one, are on uh, Amazon is where most people get their books in print and in Kindle and also in um, digital <clears throat> eBooks on uh, Barnes and Noble and Kobo and whatnot. But at this time, and I'm not promising for the rest of my life or anything, I just go by what I feel is right at the time. At this time, all of my other books, you get the free PDF on my website of Attract Money Forever. The 10 other books are all completely free in digital download uh, eBooks. So Kindle, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books, there's several others. Uh, just go punch in my name and people can actually collect my whole library right now uh, of James Goy Jr. books absolutely free. So I tell people, get them. You might not, it might take you two years to read them. Who cares? Get them, you got them. If there's put a price put on them later, you already have them and they can go right now and get those. Fuck yeah, man. Everybody check out jamesgoyjr.com. Books available on Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble. And jump on those digitals, man, all for free. Over 10 books, right? Yeah, 10 of those out there. And then the one on PDF, so 11 books total. And you can have them all for free. That's right. Free knowledge, guys. And if you like what you hear right today, what you heard today, you'll absolutely love his books. I mean... You're just such full of knowledge and you're just spreading the word and um, you're doing a great job, man. Just keep doing what you're doing, bro. Hey, I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. And um, so, hey, I'd like to thank you again for coming back on, man. I mean, 
awesome talk like always <laughs> right right we've had this is like number three right yep. yeah we've had some good talks and today was uh was different uh for most of it and uh turned out i'm i'm happy i'm really happy to share that information with people another thing i i've kind of shied away from is i never wanted to come across as i think i'm tough or i think i'm a bad because i'm not but i have common sense and i have some experience and i have some knowledge and I, I thought I got to get past that ego thing of not wanting people to think I think I'm something to be able to share information with people that can actually help them. So I got to put myself on the, on the side and say, listen, I got information that can help people. And wherever the opportunity opens up to share it, where there's a, a, a you know, an opportunity to do that, that's what I want to do. And I just got to then whatever other people think, oh, he thinks he's a tough guy. Well, they can think that, you know. If they come after me, I'll just, you know, run away screaming and then they'll say, oh, maybe he's not so tough. You know, <laughs> that's one lesson in my book is that um, uh, fighting is always, always, always the absolute last resort. People don't understand one one punch or somebody trips in a fight and they hit their head on the corner of a table going down and somebody dies. So I tell them, I don't care if I have to look like a chicken, if I have to look crazy. If I have to start singing songs and, and, and acting like a fool, uh, if people are going to think I'm a chicken, I, I don't care. The absolute last resort is physical violence. I don't care if I look like whatever I, I'm going to look like in that, because when, when the violence goes down, all bets are off. Someone can die. People can go to jail, including you, even if it's self-defense and it's nothing to play with. So if, if I have a final word on that particular subject, it's, Physical violence is always the absolute last resort. Lose face, lose money, lose everything else, lose your reputation. It's the last resort. And it's only it absolutely has to happen. That's when it happens. And then you got to be on your game and you got to be serious if it ever does have to happen. Very true, man. Uh, very great advice. You know, like you said, it's the last resort because you could go to prison and you'll just probably end up in more violent situations that, <laughs> than you would have in the first place. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, if you want violence, you went to the right place, you know? And I, 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 in the book, I address these, some of these guys who are, think they're tough. And uh, I just call them out. And I'm like, common sense. I mean, you might be 6'3", you know, 240 pounds. And you think you can pick on this little guy that's, 140, you know, five foot seven. You don't understand that guy can stick you 12 times before you realize that you've been knifed. Like they don't think people are stupid. And, yeah. and then you think you're tough and you start a fight and you hurt somebody or something, you go to jail. Now you're going to really find out how tough you are. Right. And you're going to have to align mm -hmm. with some group or somebody real quick or else, you know, so it's just, it's not, violence is always the, the absolute last resort. I have not had to, uh, I give some stories of physical confrontations, but they were all from younger years. And as an adult, uh, well, yeah, there was a few as an adult where I was a little stupid and almost had situations, but didn't, thank goodness. And I tell these stories in the book, um, but I, I have been in many situations that could have evolved into me or someone else getting hurt, me or someone else getting going to jail and all of that. But because of my mindset, I'm able to avoid 
I've been able to avoid that kind of thing for decades as it has come up from time to time. I've been able to deal with it in a completely different way than most people in the same situation would have would have dealt with it. Nice. You're a smart man. Well, and, uh, uh, I have some experience and uh, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that, but it's just, you know, to me, it's like common sense and uh, experience. And if you live long enough, if you're lucky enough to live long enough, and I think if you're lucky enough to go through a lot of those experiences, right, we talked about it looks like it's negative, but you come out and you got all this knowledge, you got all this experience, you can help other people now, you can give them insight. So I think if you, you live long enough and you're lucky enough to get in some unlucky situations, you're going to have some knowledge that other people can, you know, benefit from. Absolutely. You know, you're an older gentleman and you've been through a lot, you've been through a lot of crazy situations and just the fact that you're still alive you know, it's not only due, it's not only due to divine intervention, which which had you know had some help, right. but you know, it's also with you. It's all within you, the, your mind power, you know, right. and situational awareness and um. Common sense so, is a big one. Common mm, sense isn't so, so common advice. sense isn't so common. You know, you've heard that one, right? That's the scary I part, know, you know. I know. So if you've got common sense, you're way ahead of the game, right there. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, thanks again, James, and uh, you have a good one, man. All right, and you too, and thanks for having me again. Yep, no problem, man. Later. All right, take care. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewy gmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just Google that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit you know what i mean and uh yeah just check out my youtube and uh twitter it's at screaming chewy yeah not screaming chewy show i should change it to that but for now it's just screaming chewy and uh thanks again for tuning in see you next week peace